This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. President Biden delivered his first State of the Union address before a Republican-led House. And many said he didn't spend near enough time on major security issues such as crime in America. What about our open border and also the China spy balloon debacle? Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is Jenna Ellis. She is a constitutional law attorney. She's also former legal counsel to President Trump. And she is also the host of The Jenna Ellis Show, which is on America Family Radio Networks. That's AFR.net. Jenna, great to have you here. What was your take on the State of the Union? How do you think President Biden did in his first State of the Union with Kevin McCarthy there right behind him now, of course, as House Majority Speaker? Yeah, well, thanks so much, Rita. And so much to talk about here. You know, of course, the Republicans are going to say that Biden failed. We have a lot of different reasons for that particular analysis. But the Democrats, I think, from their perspective is what's far more interesting. Because for the Democrats, the State of the Union was basically a preview for Joe Biden's reelection campaign. And what he needed to prove to his own party is that he is ready and able to run for reelection. And just on that metric, from the Democrats' perspective, I think he utterly failed in that. There were things that I didn't even know existed, like the Transmission Act and a few other things that he just mumbled through. He also got angry at several points, which I think a lot of people on social media and other media have pointed out are classic signs of dementia and other cognitive functions and disabilities. So just from those perspectives, not even getting into the substance, the State of the Union really has become in the 21st century just a PR kind of campaign to either forecast and foreshadow the next years of an administration or for someone like Joe Biden, who is wanting allegedly to run for reelection. It's a preview of what his next term would be and why the American people should have confidence in him. This really isn't an address to Congress or anything as the Constitution originally intended. Of course, the State of the Union is required by the Constitution, but because it's televised, because there's so much just messaging around it, really it has become a PR exercise. And so from the Democrats' perspective, I can't see that any reasonable person would look at Joe Biden just on his presentation, not even getting into the content yet, and say, yes, that was a success. How do you think he did in terms of the messaging, not necessarily the delivery, but what he said, the context? Yeah, well, of course, he's not writing his own speeches, and, and that's okay. I mean, you know, of course, uh, presidents have speechwriters, but typically uh, they're at least involved in the messaging and they know what they're saying. And it appeared like Joe Biden was reading his speech for the first time, like he had no idea 
the content of what he was actually saying. But of course, this is where it was interesting that Kevin McCarthy was their Speaker of the House and was actually fact-checking Joe Biden in a couple of instances in real time. So when he was suggesting on behalf of the Democrat Party, he is the de facto leader and the current occupant, that you know this is what they're saying. This is the messaging from the Democrat Party, that they are uh, flat out misrepresenting so many things, like saying that the Republican Party wants to cut Social Security and Medicaid, doesn't care about seniors. And Kevin McCarthy's facial expression and actually mouthing the words, that's not true or no, in multiple instances, I actually thought was very effective. It wasn't at all a disrespectful, like Nancy Pelosi tearing up President Trump's speech. It was actually, I think, measured, but it was appropriately kind of a righteous indignation saying, how dare you speak on behalf of what we stand for? And this is basically a straw man to allegedly say that the Republicans are advocating for something that we're not. So I thought that was effective. And I think that you're right, Rita, what you said in your opening, that what Joe Biden failed to address as well, what the American people were tuning in and were interested in, especially this Chinese spy balloon, the surveillance apparatus, didn't really address that, barely touched on Ukraine. That was actually an interesting point to me that he didn't kind of tout how he's been so supportive of President Zelensky and sending billions of dollars from Americans overseas. He also really didn't touch on law enforcement other than suggesting, of course, that law enforcement can't be trusted and kind of getting giving all of these divisive platitudes in the context of what I think was just a visual stunt by having the grieving parents of Tyree Nichols in the audience while Joe Biden was suggesting that all law enforcement is corrupted. So his messaging, I think, was very off. And he also didn't have any kind of really salient one-liners. A lot of these, because it's so focused on PR, a lot of these State of the Unions, if they are actually written well and they're messaged well, they'll have those kind of pithy one-liners. So contrast that with Sarah Sanders, who gave an excellent rebuttal. And she had so many zingers, which is very much her style. But saying, for example, that the contrast between Democrats and Republicans is that Republicans are normal and Democrats are crazy. Normal versus crazy is something that people resonate with. And I think that actually needs to be the mantra of the Republicans headed into 2024. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, in her GOP response, basically said that President Biden is, quote, unfit to be commander in chief. What was your reaction to that? I think anyone reasonable, even if you are not a member of the opposition party and you're a member of his own party, I think that he is absolutely unfit because of his dereliction of duty in a wide variety of things, not only the withdrawal from Afghanistan, spending all of our money over in Ukraine, failing to address the border crisis, and now failing to protect our national sovereignty in terms of our airspace and directing the military to make sure to take that out before it traversed literally the entire continental United States. I mean, these are only a handful of things that each individual instance, each of these topics, I think is an impeachable offense in terms of the constitutional qualification. And I know members of uh, the Republican Congress are strongly considering that. And even Representative Andy Biggs, who I just spoke to on my podcast on Wednesday, he filed impeachment 
papers against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas for failing to address the border crisis and for their rule on immigration and basically allowing for asylum broadly that actually violates not only the law, but also the constitutional requirement that the rule of immigration and naturalization is given to Congress. Policy from the executive branch has to be consistent with Congress. They cannot just make up law. And so Joe Biden and his executive branch have been doing that, and they believe that policy equals lawmaking. And so for Sarah Sanders to say that he's unfit, I think that substantively, his presidency, he has shown that he is unfit, he is impeachable, but also in terms of the 25th Amendment and his cognitive mental state, he is also unfit. And in terms of that contemplation, I think it is absolutely wild that his cabinet has not actually invoked the 25th Amendment. I don't know if they've contemplated it behind the scenes, but anyone, again, who is reasonable and who cares about this country just as an American, no other descriptor, just as an American, will see that he is unfit, which is an objective standpoint. It's not just we don't like him, we don't like his policies. He clearly does not have the mental capacity or the willingness to stay within the margins of the U.S. Constitution and his oath of office. And so for all of those reasons, not only do I believe that he should be impeached and removed, but also there's no way that America can withstand a reelection and another what would be a total of six years of Joe Biden. Do you think he's going to run for reelection? I think at this point he plans to. And so it would be incumbent upon the Democrat Party and those kind of in control of that apparatus to talk him down. I think that he thinks that he can. And certainly Dr. Jill has made no lack of effort to simply prop him up. But also, I mean, if you're the Democrats, who else do they have, Rita? I mean, they really don't have that wide of a bench. Gavin Newsom has utterly destroyed the state of California. I don't think Michelle Obama really wants to get in. If she wanted to, that should be their default. I think she would actually be a very strong contender just because she's so widely popular. But other than that, I mean, who do they really have to replace him? And so I think it's kind of a mixed bag for them and also a double-edged sword. So at this point, I don't see him not announcing, which as the incumbent, he can. But I think that the Democrats really need to take a hard look at what the American people have said across the board, not just Republicans, but across the board, moderate Americans and also Democrats that have not given him a strong approval rating his entire first two years. That says something. And he is not going to be able to, in 2024, run his campaign from his basement. So this is going to be a very different campaign for him than it was in 2020 as well. And I know they don't actually think that he can handle it. It's a matter of whether they think they can help him handle it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You know, you brought up the fact that he is weak. 
How do you think he responded on the Chinese spy balloon? The fact that he let the balloon go for eight long days across America, gather intel, and then they decide to shoot it down. Well, I think it was complete dereliction of duty, and it was not utilizing our military intelligence and that knew about the surveillance balloon while it was still in the Pacific and it had not it had just barely violated US airspace. That's the time that you shoot it down, you go retrieve it and see what intel can be gathered. You don't allow it to literally go across all of the United States, the entire continental United States and across and very close to a lot of our major military installations and some other top secret facilities in the United States and just suggest to the American people, well, it's okay, we've got this, we know that it's not transmitting anything. How do they know that? And even if they think they know that, do we trust them that they are in fact jamming those signals? There is no reason that the Biden administration and Joe Biden should have allowed that and then told the American people, oh, it's okay, eight days later, now we've got this. What this suggests to me is that this was a trial balloon, literally in the sense that that phrase is commonly used, that our foreign enemies were testing us. They know that Biden hasn't secured the border. They know that Biden is in the pocket of China. They know that he is subservient to Ukraine in terms of all of our spending. And so they are asking him and they asked by this trial balloon, are you going to allow us to violate U.S. airspace? How far can we get? And I think that they have gotten the answer to that question, which is that he is not going to challenge them. And what I'm hearing from a number of other members of Congress who are very concerned about that, Senator Eric Schmidt joined me on the radio this week as well, and and a number of other people who are very concerned that the next balloon would be something like an EMP, would be something that would be a kind of a weaponized version of this type of surveillance balloon that could knock out our power grid, could do great damage to the United States in terms of our power apparatus. And I think that's a very real possibility. It's very scary. It's very concerning. But this is where, Rita, state sovereignty matters, because the governors of each of these states need to look at this and they need to make sure that they are securing their own power grids and not relying on the federal government for anything, including Greg Abbott of Texas and other border state governors who don't need to wait on Joe Biden or the feds to come in and secure the border. The Constitution allows when there's an actual invasion for a governor and for the state to secure their own borders. And that includes airspace as well. That includes any of these kinds of domestic threats constitutionally. And so I think that it is incumbent upon the state to start looking at options to protect ourselves because we know that Joe Biden won't. You've been in touch, of course, with your former boss, President Trump. What a contrast to his style to President Biden's. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) two years ago, we would never be having this conversation of why didn't the administration protect us? Why didn't they shoot down a spy balloon? Why didn't, why didn't? Why can't we go and just buy a dozen eggs or a gallon of gas other than extremely outrageous prices? What about inflation? I mean, all of these things, it was just two years ago. I mean, we don't even have to go back as far as Ronald Reagan to look at a good conservative. We can see that Donald Trump and how he handled the presidency and took care of us not only domestically, but also on the foreign stage, none of this would have happened 
under his administration. That contrast, I think, is what absolutely needs to be highlighted over the next two years before 2024, because now the American people are actually seeing something very unique. When the re-election for President Trump was happening in 2020, it was the Democrats were trying to portray this as a myth that, oh, Joe Biden's not going to be this divisive person. And no, we're not as extreme as you're painting us. And no, this he'll be the great unifier. And we'll finally see, you know, things calm down and we'll see it returning to normal. Well, now they can't profess that conjecture or those outright lies. What we're seeing now is that we can go back and see, okay, we have had Donald Trump as president. We've had Joe Biden now as president. Which America did you like living in? And that's the question that we should be asking the American people. And if you take away the political divisiveness of Washington and the two parties, there's not one reasonable person that would say, yeah, I'm better off now in terms of my finances, inflation, in terms of my children at school, any of these issues, in terms of national security, my faith and trust in the government. We're better off now under Joe Biden than we were under Donald Trump. Nobody can reasonably say that on any issue. And so I think that contrast is what needs to be highlighted. And Sarah Sanders did that incredibly well in her rebuttal speech with that contrast, not just normal versus crazy, but the two very different visions of America. What did you make of also the fact that Joe Biden brought up fentanyl and then immediately there were some people in the chamber, some Republicans who said, you caused this? Yeah. Again, they were fact checking him in real time. And while, of course, the talking heads over on the liberal networks were like, oh, my gosh, you weren't being presidential and respectful and, you know, whatever. Well, he was being disrespectful to the American people who all know that his border crisis is what is allowing all of this fentanyl to be poured in from Mexico. If he truly cared about protecting our youth, making sure to do something about the opioid crisis, making sure to do something about the significant rise in crime. I mean, all of these issues that can be tied back to his dereliction of securing the border, then he wouldn't be saying things like that. But those types of messaging and that kind of content that was tried to you know, get snuck in there, I'm really glad that Republicans were calling him out on real time so that it didn't just get passed and the networks couldn't just play little snippets of that out of context and suggest that everyone was totally believing him and it was completely okay. He was fact-checked in real time, and we need to continue to do that and to not allow Joe Biden to get away with his lies. And one of the things that I love about the new public comments on Twitter is that even now the sitting president of the United States in that at POTUS handle is actually being fact-checked in real time. There was a community note on one of Joe Biden's tweets a couple of weeks ago because so many people in the public square were calling him out on his tweets, which, of course, he doesn't do, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, you know, a member of his staff or maybe even an intern. But what the Democrat Party was representing through his Twitter handle, everyone knew was false. And so they called him out in real time, and I love it. We need to be doing more of that in every form available. And what did you think, finally, Jenna, of those sort of, I thought, a very low blow, where at one point he referred to the people who were supporting January 6th and came out to the Capitol that were supporters of the president. He equated them to the attacker of Paul Pelosi, the crazy guy. That to me was, as you talked about, a, a president who pretends to be the unifier in chief. I thought a very low blow and just a nasty comment to sort of stick it in there at the State of the Union. Very unpresidential. 
Very much, Rita. And I thought it was just so unnatural and kind of bizarre to make that sort of comparison. I mean, the two instances, of course, were completely, completely different. I mean, there was really nothing at all similar about either of those two instances. The only thing that he wanted to do with that was to highlight that Paul Pelosi is a victim and the Democrats are always a victim and to make sure that he had to comment somehow on January 6th, because now that that committee is gone and Republicans are back in control and they don't get to grandstand in Congress and have their committees that don't have any real Republicans or anyone that the Republicans appointed to those committees, they can't spew that nonsense. So now he had to just insert a line at the State of the Union so that everybody doesn't forget that, you know, in their minds, January 6th was, you know, somehow worse than 9-11. I mean, they're actually drawing those comparisons. So are we really surprised that he gave another just as ridiculous comparison to Paul Pelosi, who was sitting next to Bono, by the way, and, you know, wearing this kind of like gangster looking hat. I mean, the whole thing was bizarre. And then you have that very awkward opening of the kiss on the lips between Dr. Jill and the second gentleman, Kamala Harris's husband, in front of both of their spouses. I mean, the whole thing in terms of the optics was just a mess. And so then to add kind of the insult to injury to make some of those comparisons, I thought did not play well, didn't score him any points, and just allowed for more distractions and more ways to say, you really, really failed your one goal if he had one goal for the Democrats, which was to look ready and able to run again in 2024. He might be willing, but I just don't think that he in any way fulfilled that goal. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of bizarre moments. Well, everyone, be sure to subscribe and share to this podcast. Jenna Ellis, thanks for all you do to keep our country safe and for all you do in caring about this great nation. Great to have you here and get your important perspective, Jenna. Thanks so much, Rita. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.